Welcome to Doctor Who A to Z, a show that covers everything Doctor Who from beginning to end, from 1963 to present, from Hartnell to Gatwa, from Auton to Zygon. Welcome to Doctor Who A to Z. My name is Alan. And my name is Josh. And we are here to talk about Doctor Who. Imagine that. How you been, Josh? Oh, busy, busy, busy. Just uh, one thing after another. But I'm here, hopefully making some sense tonight. We'll see. Oh, yeah, we'll see. This has been a day mm-hmm. and <laughs> I am running on fumes, but are we're going to do our best. Don't even man. know it, buddy. Don't <laughs> even know it. But here we are. Let's run to that finish line. That's right, man. We are doing our part for the Doctor Who universe. All right, so we got some news to cover. First thing is that Disney Plus advertised their Christmas lineup, which included a Doctor Who special under the title The Church on Ruby Road, which means that Disney Plus has announced the title of the Christmas episode, which launches Shooty Gotwa's era of the show before the BBC has. That is crazy. Welcome to the new era, I guess. I'm, I'm telling you. But whatever, the BBC is just horrible at marketing. Like, you don't find out anything until, like, the day before. So I have no problems yeah. with that. Oh, I'm not complaining about it. <laughs> I just think it's hilarious. Like, the BBC has been doing their own thing for however, 100 years now. And they step into, you know, the room with Disney Plus And Disney Plus is like, guess what? We do things differently. <laughs> Funny. All right, so we found out the big thing that's going to be happening on November 23rd this year, and that is the second serial of Doctor Who ever, The Daleks, will be rebroadcast on BBC4, but this is in a brand new remastered, colorized, 75-minute omnibus with new sound effects and a new score by Mark Ayers. It will be available on iPlayer alongside the original seven-part serial, but it will be broadcast on BBC Four first. So, a new colorized version of the Daleks. And not the full thing either, because it's only 75 minutes minutes of it. Right. But I honestly, honestly think that's the way to go. Because when they first announced that, and I was like, I mean, I can understand you wanting to go with the first Dalek story ever, but seven episodes and it's really slow. I don't know if that's the right one to go with. So I think a 75 minute cut down version could be, could be good. It could work for a current audience. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about the fact to do a new score for it? Yeah, there's not much score in the original, Mm -hmm. you know, and what there is, is very minimalist and very atmospheric. Right. And it's not really like if you isolate it, you don't really think of it as music. You think of it more as sound effects. So I think it's going to be really interesting to hear this with a score, an actual score for the first time. Can definitely change the feeling of the story. That's for sure. Definitely. And, you know, I love Mark Ayers. But he mm-hmm. was kind of the Murray Gold of the classic series. <laughs> this is true. A bit bombastic, wrote music to every single second of the show. You know, the mix frequently was louder than it needed to be and tended to drown out dialogue. And that is particularly true of Ghostlight. So, you know, but I think what he does is fabulous. I absolutely love his work, but... It's going to be an interesting experience to see this. I can't wait for it. I love, love, love his work on Ghost Light. So yeah, I'm really hoping like he could do something like that for this. I mean, like you know, as as, um, much as the dogs, like oh, they're on Scarrow. It's still a very like small story. Like they're really self-contained in in that yeah. uh, whole thing. So he, he, he could do like a, a ghost light type store score for mm-hmm. it. And I think that would work. And I'm, I'm interesting to see. I mean, anything that lets me watch old things I've seen half a dozen times with new eyes is always something fun. So that I completely agree with. The one thing that I don't think I saw a mention of in the article was about any update on special effects. I just wonder if they're going to add in, you know, ray effects on the Dalek guns or anything like that. 
Who knows? I mean, you would think if it was involving special effects, they would have said something about it. So yeah, I think so too. I think so too. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see. Moving on. We are coming up on the 35th anniversary. Speaking of Sylvester McCoy's era, 35th anniversary of the greatest show in the galaxy. And to honor that, there is a company called AUK, and they are doing a new audio drama musical that will be released on December 14th, which is the anniversary of the part one of Greatest Show in the Galaxy, uh, first debuting. And it's reuniting much of the original cast. It's called Children of the Circus, and it's a brand new original musical play on audio written by Kenton Hall with songs by Christopher Gard and based on an idea by Barnaby Eaton Jones. And the cast list is a little crazy and it's basically everybody that you can think of that was in the original and it stars Christopher Gard as bellboy, Dee Sadler as flower child and Ella. She's playing two characters. Now Sophie and Sylvester are not playing their characters because this is not a doctor who story per se sophie has two roles she is captain grin and a character called aj it stars toya wilcox as the band of infinite harmony ian reddington as delios and the chief clown sylvester mccoy as the high poet and then there are cameo appearances by rico ross as the ringmaster jessica martin as mags Chris Jury as Deadbeat, Deborah Manship as Morgana, uh, Gian Samarco as Wizkid, Daniel Peacock as Nord the Vandal, and Dean Hollingsworth as the bus conductor and the station announcer. Have you listened to the trailer for this thing? No, this is oh absolutely insane to me. This is <laughs> insane. And this is from somebody who loves, loves Greatest Show. Like Greatest Show is in like my top five stories. It contends with Fenric as one of my favorite stories of all time. I yeah. love it unabashedly. It is awesome. But yeah. who in their right mind has ever thought to think, you know what I would like to listen to? More of this psychic circus stuff. <laughs> what are you kidding me like i mean like it works great in the context of the story that is being told i don't know if i'm ever interested in going back to that but i mean i've 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 listened to things that were more tenuous to grasp to deserving to exist in doctor (laughs) who continuity so why not right i mean i love how fucking bonkers this is i mean the original story was kind of bonkers in itself and that's one of the reasons that i love it so much it is one of my absolute favorite mccoy stories and i love that this is just like right up there with it i'm i'm really looking forward to hearing it (laughs) i mean it just it just is crazy but all right let's do it why not exactly And you know, what's interesting is, I don't know if you remember this from way back in the, our convention days when we were running Timegate, when Sophie Aldred was there, she told us that she and Daniel Peacock used to date Ace and Nord the Vandal used to date. So I wonder if this is their first re-meeting after all those years as star-crossed lovers or something. I don't know. I just think it's funny. <laughs> On November 6th, we had the, well, we didn't, but over in the UK, they had the press screening of the Star Beast, the first of the David Tennant and Catherine Tate anniversary specials with lots of Who celebrities in attendance. We had Russell T. Davies, Julie Gardner, Jane Tranter, Phil Collinson. We had all um, a bunch of actors from the show, Colin, Sylvester, Sophie, Janet, Carol Ann, Katie, Nicola. We had Murray Gold. We had the new Doctor Who magazine editor, Jason Quinn. And this is, what, three weeks in advance of the thing actually airing? Yeah. it's. I mean... You, you can't convince me that the original plan wasn't to have it air in the weeks yeah. leading up to the anniversary, not in the weeks after the anniversary. Like, I, yeah. I feel like having a premiere the week of, you know, five days before the airing of the special 
that is a reasonable amount of time. But three yeah. weeks ahead of time, like like I said, I can't wait to be dodging spoilers from this first episode for three weeks for people that attended or heard about it. And now I just filter out through the internet as it happens. Yeah. Right. Oh my God, this is crazy. You know, the original rumor was that it was going to be the three Saturdays, the 11th, the 18th, and the 25th. And I swear that at some place, at some point, Russell T. Davies said that all these specials would be happening in November. So something happened to change this plan, to change the schedule. And I just have to wonder what it was. And I just, I don't know. I, there's not even a way to speculate on it, but trying to figure out the ways of the BBC is just right. Way to drive yourself insane. So <laughs> it's the new definition of insanity. Uh-huh. Oh my God. Just crazy. So I'm wondering, would would made it have something to do with the partnership with Disney Plus? I mean, who knows, man? Who who knows? <laughs> As Tom Baker says, who knows? And then today, so we're recording this on uh, November sixth. Today, the Mirror puts out an article that says that there is imminent. It's going to happen any second now. An eighth Doctor spinoff series. This is, of course, based on an insider who said something vague like Russell T. Davies would love to do a show with Paul McGann as the Eighth Doctor in his own set of episodes. And then, of course, the mirror ran with it. But the interesting thing is that the mirror has had a pretty good success rate with their rumor mongering. They usually come up with something that ends up happening. So... Who knows? I mean, you've always had taking thing from the mirror with a grain of salt, but yes, uh, I mean, like there's been everybody seems to have talked about this forever now. And then when Russell came out and said, "Oh, we're ready to just start spinning up all the spinoffs," there's no reason why we can't do all sorts of stuff with Doctor Who. That yep. really seemed to get people's juices flowing about this. And oh, yeah, they should do it. Went from like they should do this to oh, this is definitely happening and. Now it's in the mirror. So I, I don't know. It, it can knows? very easily go either way. Oh, easily, easily. And I mean, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility, but, you know, even in the original, like the, from 2005 on, this thing came up and Russell would always say, we have the thing that has to be paramount is that the incumbent doctor has to be the face of the franchise. We can't be mixing all these old doctors in with new doctors. So I don't know. Does he still feel that way? Has he changed his tune? Who knows? Is Disney plus saying, Hey, you know what? You've got that Paul McGann guy on the, why don't we get him in? I don't know. I don't know. You know, not for nothing, but you know, reading through that story in the mirror, it just always strikes me. Paul McGann is 63. Can you believe that? No, I cannot because I am, I'm 60. He's three years older than me. Oh my God. What a spectacular specimen of humanity he is. It's not fair. It is not fair. I was just watching a, I did an interview with him uh, a year or two ago for during lockdown for BritCon over in Seattle. And I was watching that again uh, this this past week. And I was like, God, he looks fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, anyway, he would be great to lead a series even at 63. So I hope it happens. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Yep. So if it happens, I'm on board. But then, you know, I pretty much am with anything they do. Sure. (laughs) Who's not going to be? Well, so that covers the news for the week. Is there anything else that we know of? I think that covers it. I think that's it. So this week we are continuing our discussion of the Doctor Who anniversaries. And this week we have made it up to 1983. The first, I'm sorry, the five doctors. It was Written by Terrence Dix, of course, Uncle Terrence. Directed by Peter Moffat. No relation to the Peter Moffat that is currently starring in the show, who goes by the stage name Peter Davison. It is uh, script editor Eric Sayward, producer John Nathan Turner. The music is by Peter Howell. And it was broadcast originally in 
England on the 25th of November. So that matches up with, you know, the third special that's happening this year, but in America on 23rd November, because you know, that's, that's how we roll. All right. So you know that this is the story that launched me on my journey into the Doctor Who world. And I think that's the same for you. Isn't that right? Yes. Yes, it is. Is there any way for us to be impartial about this? Story? I don't know. I mean, like, I got to <laughs> do we even think. need to. I mean, know? like, all right, let, let's let's just put this in a little bit of context to, to begin with, yep. maybe to try to understand that. So, I mean, my story, let's let's go back to the early 90s. We're, we're flashing back, you know, flannels everywhere. You've got grunge on TV. We're connecting to the Internet, not even through AOL. We're doing it through Prodigy. It's this early. <laughs> Early nineties, and young teenage impressionable Josh is just entering high school, meets a new friend, and as they get to know each other, he's like, "You know what? I think you'd like this show called Doctor Who," which I knew kind of. My dad used to watch, you know, Brit sci-fi on TV on the weekends, and I would see it from time to time. And of course, I was already a big comic nerd and and loved Star Wars, so like I was already there, and but I never really watched it. And what does he give me to introduce me? He's like, this will tell you everything you need to know. He gives me his VHS copy of The Five Doctors. Mm -hmm. And then I go and I watch it. And this mad, bonkers, nonsensical thing shows. And I just fall in love. There's just so much there to like sink your teeth into. It is absolutely the worst thing you could give somebody to introduce them to Doctor Who, but at the same time, for the right kind of person, it is the absolute best thing to give to somebody new to Doctor Who because if it is somebody who is obsessive and crazy like myself, who hmm. then sees this big gigantic world opened up and all of these little bits and pieces of things you could dig into available and the mythos and, and all the characters, like this means I've got how many years of backstory to catch up on and, and obsess over? Oh, baby, give it to me. And I just dove right yeah. on in. Right on. My story goes back to 1983. Um, I had a friend called Lucy. She used to tell me about Doctor Who, and I didn't understand any of it, but it started to sort of like sink in. It started to hook me. It started to make me, you know, like intrigued, learn a little bit more about it. The previous year, see, I grew up, not watching Star Trek, but I was aware of it. The previous year, 1982, Wrath of Khan comes out, and I have some friends who drag me off to see it, not knowing that I am of the personality that getting into something that has been around long enough to have its own history and then build upon and acknowledge and dive into its own history is going to hook me. So I go into Wrath of Khan, and it does all of that stuff. But it also gives me a new character, Savic, that I can like identify with. And she's going through the journey the same time I am, blah, blah, blah. One year later, the same thing happens with Doctor Who. Lucy says, look, I, you know, you, you seem interested. So next week, the 20th anniversary happens and there's going to be a special episode. Why don't you come and watch it with me? So I said, well, OK, I'll do that. So I go to her house on Wednesday, the 23rd. and this thing starts and it does all that stuff that I love. It's something that's been around for 20 years. It has its own history. It develops and builds on its own history and makes references to it. The The difference is that it's far, far more confusing than Wrath of Khan ever was. And I didn't know anything. Like I kept saying, so who's this guy? And she's like, well, that's the doctor. And Who's this guy? That's the doctor. I was like, what? <laughs> but who's this guy? Well, that's the master. He's not the doctor. He's the man, you know, but the more I watched, the more I got sunk right down into it. I was like, by the end of that 90 minutes, I was 100% on board. Well, I mean, what is good about this story is it really sells you on the concept of what and who the doctor actually is like mm. the, the the fact of regeneration and you've got these different versions and different incarnations of the doctor who are the same person but wildly different and that means they don't always get along like that 
is sold completely in this. And again, it's one of the most unique concepts that has ever been done and mm -hmm. makes Doctor Who a big part of, of what it is. And so right. having that full on display and like it's it's a good way to, to like to give it to you here in the story. So as a first experience of that to really sell it, like I think that also works. Exactly. I totally agree with that. You know, when you're at conventions and you're on panels and stuff and people, the question always comes up, who is your favorite doctor and or who was your first doctor? And I always have to say my first doctor was like all five of the first ones. <laughs> A little bit less with the fourth doctor, of course, because he's barely in it. And you get a very confusing view of who the first doctor is because you see <laughs> two of them, but I'm going to say, you know, for the longest time when I was watching this on PBS in 83, it was a few years before they picked up the Pertwee. They would just go through, you know, cycle back and forth through Tom Baker and Peter Davison. And then eventually like got up into the Colin Bakers and then they went back to Pertwee. And I was like, Oh my God, that's five more seasons of Dr. Who I get to watch. And then they picked up, the black and white stuff. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. I didn't think I would ever see the black and white episodes, but for those first, what, three or four years, Richard Herndall was my first doctor. He was the model of what the first doctor is and was <laughs> supposed to be. And I didn't know any differently other than that, you know, 10 second clip at the beginning of the episode. But I, so, you know, five doctors, that's where I started. All, All right. five of them. Right. Right. Well, okay. So let's take a step back then and setting aside what this story means to us personally and the impact that it had. Yep. Let's try to look at it as a story in and of itself. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's look at that. So obviously this is a big anniversary story. It is being told as a big anniversary story and they're basically giving you what's right there on the 10. And I don't, think that they are really too overly concerned with what the story actually is accepting that hey you're just here for all the doctors together and bringing back all the companions and seeing the greatest hits let's just put any old thing together and the fans will be happy with it mm -hmm. so it is not exactly you know shakespeare as far as a story being written and put together, but it's obviously not intended to be. It is, it, it often, you know, gets compared to like, this is nothing but a big slice of sugary cake as a celebration and should be accepted as that. And I agree now. I mean, obviously, so I was a little bit harder on the three doctors last week because mm -hmm. The Three Doctors, while nominally an anniversary story, like it feels a lot less of an anniversary story than The Five Doctors is. And I think that just might be because of the length of time that had passed. Whereas, you know, 10 years, you know, Troughton had only been gone for a couple of years at that point in time and they bring yeah. it back. I mean, like it just feels like it's not as, I mean, like it's a big deal. And it's a big deal mm -hmm. in the, you know, the turning point for the series as a whole, but the story doesn't really like feel like it's made just to be that right. Whereas right. the five doctors is made, it's absolutely just made to be nothing but a big, you know, explosion of nostalgia. Yes. And agreed. so that might, again, I don't want, <laughs> I don't want to like give the five doctors a pass where I felt like I was a bit harder on the three doctors, but I think it's, even though you can compare them, I don't know if it's exactly the fairest of comparisons because I still think they're kind of approaching it differently, if that makes any sense. No, it totally does. The, the interesting thing about it is that both of them take the, uh, the opportunity to add this huge new amount of lore about Time Lords and about Gallifrey. And I think that that's, you know, intended to elevate the story up into like, you know, a whole new level of stakes. But, you know, the when we were talking about the three doctors, it, you you know, you you remember that um, Pertwee, they, they were talking about adding Jamie and, you know, maybe somebody else and whoever. And, and Pertwee was like, you know, is it are we doing too much? Is it going to be too many characters? Well, thinking 
totally dispassionately, yes, the five doctors is too many characters. Mm -hmm. Yes. The five doctors has too much stuff going on. And, you know, it's not only the, the number of doctors and companions that are in it, but you have Daleks and Cybermen and Yeti. And they even, I mean, to its credit, takes an opportunity to add a new threat, the Raston warrior robot. And it's just like, set piece after set piece without mm. too much like stringing them together. Whereas I think the three doctors is more of a cohesive story because it introduces a smaller set of characters at the beginning and sticks right. with those characters. Right. Uh, I, I think the three doctors is actually trying to tell an actual story. Yeah. Whereas the five doctors really isn't concerned with the story. It's concerned with the set pieces. And yeah. ironically, again, that makes me look at harder on the three doctors because it's trying to tell a story. And so when I don't, when I'm disappointed or don't think the story comes together as much, I rate it lower versus I feel like the five doctors, is not expecting you to expect the story. It's not even really trying to give you a story. Therefore, like I'm like, okay, well, it, it doesn't want to have a story, so I guess I'm giving it more of a pass. It's a, hmm. I mean, like I, I am a man of many multitudes. What can I say? I, I can't explain it. It just that's just the way it works. I know logically it doesn't make any sense. I should be harder on a story that has right. zero story in it whatsoever. But because it's I feel like it's everybody's intended to have a story, I'm much easier on it. I don't know. It's a weird dichotomy. That is that is an oddity, I'll say. <laughs> I mean, you've already got a big enough cast of characters, and then it's like, hey, let's have a scene where we have Jamie and Zoe for for some reason. And then Yates and Liz Shaw, because we would like to see them and we don't have any place to put them into the entire story. So let's just give them yeah. a minute and a half. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously, if you're trying to grade the story of the five doctors, it is nothing. It is it is no good. I mean, like, I think there's some good core concepts. Like, I, I love mm -hmm. the idea of Rassilon having this big thing and being nothing but a trap to trap time lords who are getting too big for their britches and trying to yes. reach for immortality. I think it's an awesome concept. That cool, is great. Cool as hell concept. And a great um, visual that goes along with it at the end. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I, I, I like all that, but everything around that, like how to get everybody involved and the nonsense of having all the monsters in it and, and sticking all the companions in, like completely ludicrous. That being said, Terrence Dix, and Lord knows I have been hard on Terrence Dix over the years, many, many a time, but you've got to give him credit. The way that he stitches together all this nonsense into something that is enjoyable for 90 minutes is yeah. pretty amazing. And you've got to give him credit for that. No, so, I totally you know, 100% agree with that. And according to the backstories, the cast list kept changing. So he was continuously like up until the time that they were filming continuously had to rewrite and rewrite because somebody would be available and then somebody would not be available. And then it was like insanity. So, I mean, the fact that it came out as cohesive as it does is, is monumental. Yeah. Um, it really is amazing. I mean, and I, and I guess the one good thing that you can give the five doctors is it doesn't mess any time with unnecessary characters. It knows that you're here for the doctors mm -hmm. and their companions, and we don't get anybody else other than that. I mean, yeah, sure. You get the occasional, a couple of time lords, but they're, they're whatever. They're just there to still take the plot. We don't really spend any time with them and they don't mean anything to us. Everything <laughs> else is just, you know, let's get the doctors and companions together and mix and match them a little bit and uh, yeah. go and, and run from there. So, I, you know, it knows what it wants to do and it mm -hmm. does it admirably. I mean, I, yeah. I can't knock it for that. But it almost admits that it has too many characters because when Absolutely. they all come together at the end and they're trying to read the inscription, Rassilon is like, you, you companions, go stand in the corner and don't <laughs> speak or do anything until I say you can. And <laughs> that's that's Terrence's way of getting rid of some of sure. the characters and focusing mm -hmm. only on the doctors, Absolutely. which the focus on the doctors is, of course, what you need in this kind of story. Yeah. But still, it's it's just a funny scene. All right. So, Ooh. all right. If if I'm going to, you know, try to be objective and critique the story a little bit, um, the, the, the biggest downside of this story for being an anniversary is I think it keeps the doctors away from each other far too long because that's yeah. what everybody wants to see. It wants to see them together. It wants to see them bicker and interact with each other. <laughs> and obviously 
when you've got four leading men together, you you don't want to you know sideline any of them, and you don't want to have one being thought of they're playing second fiddle to somebody else. So right. you, you keep them separate. I understand why they did that. It was something to try to make sure nobody's ego got hurt. They're all the doctor. They all get their time in the sun, but it just feels very unfortunate that we don't get the multi-doctor togetherness stuff as much as we might want to. I mean, that, that was the biggest mm-hmm. reason why the three doctors were so enjoyable is the second and third doctor together for the entirety <laughs> of the story. And we yes. don't get that here until like the last 10 minutes. Right. And and I don't think it's as bitchy no. as it could have been and should have been. But there's still some really great scenes. But then, you know, at the same time, it does give you more opportunity to have some really great second doctor and brigadier scenes, you know, and you get some decent enough third doctor and Sarah Jane scenes, you know, I'm so I think it does like uh, its job in capturing each era that it's trying to bring together before it brings them all together. So in in that sense, I think it does a good job. Yeah. I mean, again, I think Dix does a great job of stitching together everything separately and into one there at the end and giving everybody a, a good chance to shine. It just feels unfortunate in an anniversary yeah. story that mm-hmm. you don't have them all together. Cause that's what everybody wants. Yes. Yes. We can talk about um, one of the the big things, one of the things that always kind of stands out, which is the recasting of the first Doctor and using her now. How how, how do you feel that his uh, first Doctor comes off? Mostly great. But then again, as I said, this was the only information I had about the first Doctor for the longest time. I don't know. Like, I, I never really bothered me like watching it before but you know going back and watching it again and uh, you know i've been on a fairly big heart no kick recently and, and watching yeah. a lot of that stuff um you know going through the last blu-ray set that came out and it's really jarring to me i mean i almost i mean like i don't think he does a bad job yeah it, but he's not playing heart no he is no doing like an impression of a 20 off year thought of what the first doctor is supposed to be. Yes. So in that, I I think he's doing just fine. Like, I mean, like you can say what you want about Bradley's performance. I I feel like Bradley put a lot more into doing Hartnell than what Hartnell does here. So, I mean, for whatever you want about the writing of the first doctor, like I, I think that Bradley's performance of imitating Hartnell is much better than what uh, Hartnell does here. But I mean, again, you also have to think, you know, who knows how much Hartnell had even seen of the first doctor, what was readily available for him to watch at that point in time, <laughs> probably not a whole lot. Uh, but I, I just, I mean, like he's fine. He hits the, vague characteristics and you know doing all the 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 whom's and the you know uh, yeah. calling people boy and being a little bit of cranky <laughs> I, I he just he almost feels too energetic at times to me though and not in the playful well way the heart no would be it's, mm. it's, it's it's weird i mean like i don't know it, it, it's fine i think it's probably better to see that than trying to watch poor Hartnell in the three doctors like read yeah. cue cards, which is just kind of sad. I mean, this, yes. this, this is probably better than that, but it is, it is a little jarring at times for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, I, I, I like I said, though, I, I enjoy his performance. I think the writing of it is fine. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just that I've never been able to separate, you know, to, to, compare the two different performances because i mean one of them was all i had for years so i don't know i I find it fine you know what i'm curious um when you went back and rewatched it leading up to us talking about it tonight which version did you rewatch i did watch the special edition version okay i i watched the original i like the special edition a lot it's you know it adds in a lot of new scenes but i think it changes the pacing and I think there's stuff that it was fine to have left out. 
I'm very excited to see the version, the new version that's going to be, well, that is already on the Blu-ray that who, who knows when we're going to have it in America. Sure. Ugh. The new specialer, special edition. <laughs> specialer, the specialist ever. Yes. I'm looking forward to seeing that, but yeah, me too. Know. The, but the special edition that you watched, one of the changes that it made that I really was kind of weird about was at the end when Peter Davison suddenly knows how to play harp and read music, the, the melody that he plays on the harp is different. They like redubbed it with a different piece of music or something. And, and I never liked it as much as the <laughs> original. And, and that's such a weird thing to, it to really focus is, on. <laughs> that's the musician in me. I can't help it. <laughs> Oh, I mean, I guess we just kind of work our way up. Um, huh, poor Susan, 1963, 1983, 2023. Nothing yeah. ever changes for good old Susan, does it? I mean, like, she might be the most consistently written character in Doctor Who just because <laughs> they don't write for her character at all. <laughs> but you know what? Another evidence of there being too many characters is that she and Turlo are stuck in the TARDIS for Absolutely. the longest time. And that's just... You know, and they cut back to them for like a five second scene and then they get on with other things. And it's like, it's a shame. It's a very shame. But, you know, if if this is a more mature Susan, a more mature Carol Ann Ford, don't write a scene where she trips over a rock and sprains <laughs> her ankle. My God. Uh, it's so bad. <laughs> You're like, and, and you know, because we were talking last week, we were talking about the Big Finish one, mm -hmm. you know, where Susan comes into the story. And you're, and I was like, the only thing they didn't have her do was trip over a rock and sprain her ankle. And I was thinking exactly of the five doctors when right. that's what they did. And it, it's, it's almost like moment. it's almost like there's two things we can do to make her. Well, three things we can do to make her seem like Susan. One, she has to call the doctor grandfather Two. She could fly into hysterics and scream her head off. And three, she could trip over a rock. We can get two of those things in. We don't want to have <laughs> Caroline Ford scream and, and fly into hysterics. So we'll just have her say grandfather and trip on a rock. Her walk. <laughs> My God. Yeah. So, I mean, that's uh, another knock against the story. But I guess, I mean, again, you've got so much going on. I guess yeah. we should just be happy that uh, she's there. And that's what Terry Smith would say. She's be happy she's there no i know i, I i'm not dishappy that she's there dishappy that's yeah. not a word but and okay. then that that infamous scene where the big grand reunion of the fifth doctor and susan yeah he just kind of looks at her and says oh yeah i'm susan <laughs> and then moves on story <laughs> hi i'm susan all I the all the emotions <laughs> all the em <laughs> get your feels <laughs> in <laughs> And that's what's so different about uh, the way television, well, in the way Doctor Who was made in the 80s and things like Tales of the TARDIS, where we have them, these characters sitting down and having these emotional discussions about things that they didn't have emotional discussions with in the 80s, like Adric's death. You know, it's just the way stuff was done at the time. But even then, at least a hug, at least, <laughs> at least you know, Oh, Susan, I haven't seen you in four lifetimes. My, you know, my gosh, how are you? At least that don't just say, I know. God, that was so bad. So bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Pretty bad. It's just television is so different now. It's so weird. No, they didn't even think about it. They wouldn't even think about doing more, but I mean, now it'd be like the focus of an episode, you know? Right. <laughs> Stop all other action <laughs> while we do this. All right. Uh, moving on. Um, the pairing of Troughton and Courtney as the Brigadier, which I think is interesting that obviously, you know, you would think to pair Pertwee with the Brigadier. I mean, yep. I, I mean, Troughton, sure. you know, met the Brigadier a couple of times, but obviously Troughton is not the one that you would normally associate with the Brigadier. So sticking them together. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I think I think that it works. It is it is um, interesting to get a little bit of a different dynamic between mm -hmm. the brigadier and the doctor. I mean, obviously, and seeing Troughton and Courtney together is just a joy. Oh, of course. And theoretically, had Tom Baker agreed to do this, Tom Baker and Liz Sladen would be paired up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So since we don't have that, I guess, you know, 
we had to make room for Sarah Jane to go somewhere. So right. Brigadier gets shunted off to the second doctor. So what do you think of the second doctor coming back to his character after a 10 year absence, which itself followed a three year absence? I mean, he Trouton never, I mean, constant professional never seems to miss a beat and never misses. <laughs> I mean, he never does. He really no. doesn't. I mean, even watching this for the first time, I'm like, Oh man, that second doctor is amazing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it is a, I think these, I mean, obviously the anniversary stories are probably what I saw first, because obviously, you know, you're introduced to things through this. Like, Oh, I want to see the, you know, pairings of all the doctors up. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think I actually saw the two doctors until after I'd watched a lot of the trial and era. But okay. I, I definitely think I saw three doctors before I went back and watched, you know, anything in black and white. Okay. Um, so, you know, having seen like the greatest hits versions of the second doctor, I think, it, you know, it allows you to to go back and then enjoy the nuance of Charlton's performances back in his, his original mm -hmm. stories. But yeah. I mean, even said, like, as we said, when we talked about the three doctors, even Trouton performing the greatest hits of the second doctor is just about as enjoyable of a performance you're going to get from anybody mm. in these stories. Yeah. And, you know, we had Terrence Dix at our convention and the first time we did it, we, we had him do a commentary on the five doctors, you know, it plays, he talks about it and he admitted that he kept giving all the best lines to Troughton and he had to cut back and <laughs> save some good dialogue for other characters. But he just is, you know, he just wrote so well for, Troughton. And the same thing basically happens in the three doctors. Troughton gets all the good mm -hmm. dialogue, but he always delivers. And even when you get up to the two doctors, he, you know, he's still older than at that time. And he just jumps off the screen. He is so magnetic. And so he just draws your eyes to him. He, there's nothing that he ever yeah. does. That is a, a so foot wrong. Damn charming. He's oh just, my God. It's hard. I just you watch him and you love him. And you just absolutely. Like, we want to see more of him. <laughs> I mean, like, and then, I mean, you know, we don't get a whole lot of like Troughton and Pertwee together, but we do get, you know, Troughton mm -hmm. with Courtney as a brigadier and the brigadier is, you know, he's a big officious oath type of person. So you still get a little bit of that abrasive, even though it's, it's, he's more talking down to the brigadier than you know kind of needling his you know, yeah. future self but i think it, it still works still get a little bit of a taste of it and i think they have a very good banter back and forth uh and mm -hmm. their scenes together it's just yeah, it just kind of is unfortunate that uh you know the big reunion scene between the third doctor and the brigadier is the third doctor walking over saying brigadier how are you uh never mind i gotta go uh look at this rock <laughs> right. so uh, we'll talk to you later brigadier <laughs> that's the big reunion we get from them <laughs> Hey, it's still more than the fifth doctor and Susan. <laughs> this is absolutely true. I guess be grateful for what we get. Right. But you know, similarly, the whole reunion between, I mean, there's a lot of history between the brigadier and the master and, you know, in one sense, it's the same kind of thing where it's just a, a quick interchange. But on the other hand, on the other hand, you really do want to have that moment where the brigadier just punches the shit out of him and knocks him to the ground. It's perfect. And I'm going to yeah. use this opportunity. So you bring up the master. We're going to take a side step from going through our view yeah. of the doctor and talk about the master, because I think the master makes this story. I love this. I think this might be my favorite appearance of Ainley's master, which is saying a lot, but he is so just like, the mastery, craziest master in the story. And I, it's just so on book for him. Like he gets called in and his like meeting with the time Lords, just phenomenal as he's yes. just like saunters in and he's all full of himself. And yes. he just loves the fact that they look at him like, Oh, you're this evil, you know, renegade time Lord. He's like, yes, I am. And I'm going to sit down <laughs> and put myself right in front of you. You're asking for my help. And yeah. then when he, you know, gets told about like, how oh, he's got to help the doctor and he, you know, agrees to go on it. And then he goes in there to help the doctor and just at every bit and turn just gets rejected and, you know, shit on <laughs> like just everything. The doctor just does not want to have anything to do with, you know, believing that he's actually there to help, which he is. 
And you almost feel bad for the master during the course of the story because he's like, he's he's not lying. He's there to help. He wants to help. And then he gets crapped on by the third doctor. And then he gets blown up with the fifth doctor. And the fifth doctor steals his transmat. Right. And, you know, I mean, like, he finally gets through. And when he comes out and says, I'm going to take immortality because I came here to help you guys. And you guys all suck because you didn't believe me. And then you just let me get shot out by all these Cybermen. And now I'm going to take it. And then gets punched out by the Brigadier. Yeah. It is a perfect story arc for the Alien Master. <laughs> I love it so much. I am uh, I'm right with you as this being one of my favorite Ainley stories. And that is up there with... Mark of the Ronnie, say what you want about the story, but he is fantastic in it and survival, which I think is his best performance. Yeah. Survival would be my other one. Yeah. And one of, and one of the best written stories for the, for this master, but the five doctors is right up there with him. And you know, some of his other ones are a little weaker and I'm certainly going to point out Castro Valvo because I think it's just, it's just not great. And this being my first taste of whoever the master is and having to compare everything else from this point up to this, this really set a bar high and mm -hmm. Delgado's master always hit that bar for me. Ainley's master not always did because sometimes I don't know. It's, it's just, it's just so variable, I, I but, mean, but I this always... one's really good. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm a I'm an '80s Who type of guy, and Me too. I, I went through all of Ainley's performance forever. Saw anything with Delgado, and like yeah. I like Delgado's, you know, suave sense of menace, but you know if. If it's a master for me, he needs to be bug shit crazy and just <laughs> doing stupid things. I love that so much about that daft bugger that I, you know, I, I would, that's just how I like my master is just, yeah. you know, just chuckling off like an insane person and doing something that makes zero sense. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I love Ainley as a master. I really do. I do too, for the most part. There's just, I don't know, sometimes it goes off the rails for me. That's okay. Um, so let's talk about Sarah Jane and the third doctor. Oh, yes. With that wonderful cliffhanger of falling down a slight incline for Sarah Jane that has to be used a winch and Bessie to, to save her from. Why couldn't they have shot that better? Come on. <laughs> It is so hard to suspend disbelief on that. <laughs> oh yeah, my gosh. It's pretty bad. But um, I mean, pairing her back up with, with Pertwee, like I think out of all of the doctor pairings in this, I, I think that the third doctor and Sarah Jane get the least to work with, I feel yeah. like. Um, they don't get a whole lot of great personification moments um and then you're just completely distracted by the 80s outfit that sarah jane's wearing the entire story it's just oh my god <laughs> every time i walk, see her walk out of her her house with k9 i'm like what are you wearing liz <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so bad <laughs> so um yeah pertwee is I don't know. I mean, obviously, Dix was there at the end of you know, Pertwee's era, and yet mm -hmm. this feels like obviously we're getting all of the stereotypes and the you know greatest hits of the Doctors, but we really don't get to see a whole lot of greatest hits of the Third Doctor. It, it, it mostly comes down to kind of the way that he talks and yet he still kind of is not talking like the third doctor it's more i don't know what it is i mean obviously he's there but it doesn't feel as true as mm -hmm. an actual pertwee story mm -hmm. yeah i can kind of go along with that it, it never i don't know i don't i don't think it was pertwee i don't think it was anything to do with like him not giving his best or not being no, interested in no. the project or anything like that. I just don't think that it was, I don't know. Like, I just don't think he was represented as well as he could have been. And certainly in the three doctors, because first of all, it's his current era and he's 
you know, in the job, he's the lead guy on the show is so much better, but this just never really feels up to that level. It never really captures any of the things that you think of as like iconically third doctor. No. Of course they do have him say the thing about the neutron flow, you sure. know, so, so of course that makes it third doctor, but you know, you need a little bit more than that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, like, it, and he's fine. Uh, it just feels like they could have done a better job of mm-hmm. making him feel third doctory, other than just being like, here's Pertwee, you know? I don't know. <laughs> here's Pertwee. <laughs> <laughs> I do like, so this is the chance that Pertwee gets to interact with some Cybermen. And so exactly. we're talking about them. Like I do want to comment on the, the Cyberman appearance with the Rastan warrior robot, which is just gruesome. The way that those Cybermen get mowed down. And <laughs> I, I love watching it every time there's heads being chopped off, you know, arms falling off, things exploding. And, and then like that one Cyberman just gets to decapitated like slowly yep. as the rest of the warrior robot removes his head. It is brutal. It's such a sayward thing to do. It, and it totally it's, is. It's just, it's a great moment that it's just, it's almost out of place in the celebratory story, yeah. but yet you just can't help but enjoy the carnage. The one, the one guy that like doubles over and pukes up motor oil. It's so great. It's so good. (laughs) Just like in the middle of this, like fluffy, like anniversary story. It's just a bunch of guys getting mowed down viciously, but it's okay. Cause they're robot guys. (laughs) You know what? This is a really, really rough story for the Cybermen because then they get shunted off onto the, the chessboard and they get mowed down again. Yeah. All right, so let, we got to talk about this chessboard. Okay, how in the hell do you think the the mathematical concept pi can a apply to a square grid <laughs> and b give you a different set of results every time you apply it, so that it tells you the different safe path across the board every time? Nonsensical. <laughs> I mean, welcome to the five doctors, because it's just the way it goes. That's true. (laughs) Nonsense. Come on, Uncle Terrence. You can do better than that, dude. Come on. But, you know, the funny thing is, you know, when you think about floor traps and puzzles that you have to solve, you think of the third doctor and the city of Exelon, Mm -hmm. the fourth doctor and pyramids of Mars, you know? So it's, it's, it's fun to put a different doctor in that kind of situation, but at the same time, come on. I know. And it's, but you know what? The other thing is you get a, a, a weird pairing of the first doctor and Tegan. They're the ones who basically are setting off to go to the, so, okay, here's something that's weird. They get to the TARDIS. The first Doctor and Susan get to the TARDIS. And then they're going to go traipse across the thing. Peter Davison is going to go to the tower. And and Susan's going to go with him. And and he's like, okay, sure. And then Tegan says, well, I want to go too. And the first Doctor says, I think it'd be safer if you stayed here. Why? <laughs> Why would he want Susan to go off with uh, his future incarnation that he knows nothing about and think it's better for Tegan to stay behind. Nonsense. Because we got to have the right pairings in the story. That's why. (laughs) That's the only reason. I guess. Anyway, that's just a side rant. Sorry. No, that's okay. No, (laughs) there's plenty of things to look at in the story. If you want to have little mini rants about, because there's lots of stuff here that just is, is, again, you're supposed to just not look at it. Look over here. Like there's a look, it's a brand new shiny doctor companion over here. Don't worry about what we just watched. (laughs) That's the whole story. Thank you, Mr. Terrence Dix. Right on. (laughs) So we do get two little sets of cameos, Jamie and Zoe, and then, uh, Richard Franklin and Carolyn. I'm, I'm, I'm switching back and forth between character names and actor names. So Jamie and Zoe <laughs> and Captain Yates and Liz Shaw. <laughs> and they're basically thrown in just to have four more characters to make it seem even more anniversarial. Sure, sure. I mean, 
if you, if you want to nitpick something like well, I'm, I'm not nitpicking necessarily. Well, no, but I mean, like you were just talking about nitpicking on the board. Like you want to uh, like you want to really get into nitpicky continuity stuff. Why does a second doctor know about what happens when he regenerates? But you oh, know, I know, I, mean. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but don't look, don't don't pay attention to that. Here's some new companions. Here, here here's a guy lying on a tomb and he's got a floaty head. Look at that instead. Right. <laughs> Oh man! I I mean, like you know, it's just it's it's uh, it's good that they got to appear in it. I mean, obviously, yeah. when everybody else is coming back, and you know, you're you're maybe not fully available to do the story, like come in and do a little cameo and be a part mm-hmm. of the celebration. Why wouldn't you want to be left out? Like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe somebody who said they wanted to be in the show, but because her doctor wasn't appearing, even though she'd been left on the very planet the story is set on, they said, "Nah, we don't want to use you." <laughs> right right come on you you don't have to have a doctor pairing to match up somebody who is already there i know right <laughs> ridiculous but you know that's jnt for you what you gotta do you go. <laughs> we want to talk about Pierre Davis. we do need to do that yes before we, before we wrap it up because i think you know in a story like this, as the incumbent doctor, as the, you know, supposedly leading man, like it could be very easy to f- either one, make yourself want to be more prominent, like a certain third doctor may have wanted to be in, mm-hmm. in you know, certain past anniversary stories. But I think Davison does a great job towing the line. Like he is able to stand back and let the other doctors get the focus where they need to be. But yet he still, it feels like kind of the glue holding the story together. Like he is always, you're always aware that he is the current doctor. This is currently his show. I think during Mm -hmm. the course of the story, I don't think, well, I don't know. I was going to say, I don't think as much so as Pertwee and the third doctors, but that might not be right because I do think that Troughton sort of, takes over the show in the third doctors Mm -hmm. and I'm sorry, in the three doctors. And I do feel like he kind of does here too, but not to the, not to the detriment of, of, of Davison. I don't think there's a, there's a few scenes where he, he, he sort of comes across as being undermined to me. And that mainly is in the TARDIS scene where he and the first doctor are debating about whether what their next course of action should be. And, the the first doctor and this is you know such a first doctor thing but he's sort of you know and rolls his eyes and stuff and and right, but, I, just, but i think that works well for the fifth doctor and, mm. and allows him to kind of like because obviously like you got the first doctor you've got davison deferring to him as the first doctor because he's got that kind of personality but that's kind of like what what the fifth doctor does and the fact that he kind of humps over it and like kind of like you know side eyes with tegan and and things like that like i think really like sells the fact that like all right well i'm going along with this old man because you know he's old and grumpy but you know he's still the doctor and i'm still here in charge i I feel like that really toes the line between allowing the first doctor to to get you know, a good focus on it and also show what the strength of the fifth doctor is. I was saying that the first doctor was doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. The first doctor is getting impatient with, with the fifth doctor and the fifth doctor kind of like second guesses himself and says, well, I think we'll do this. And, and like, he's not really sure about it. You know, that's what I was saying. I think that that's a weak scene for Davison, but I think everything else is good. I think that his confrontation with the master is good. I think his confrontation with the Cyberman is good. I think his in, you know, when he's in the Capitol and he's challenging the time Lords, I think that's really good when he confronts Barusa, he's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So I think for the most part, yes, he is very good in this. I mean, I think you know, which, it all the way through. Like, I mean, I disagree fine. with you on on the, the first fine. doctor scene. I, I think that he's he's really good in that scene. Uh, but I mean, like, I yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's fine because <laughs> he is, you know, I think doing a fun. He's he is up there with Troughton as being like I think the best actors on the, uh, the play of Doctor to this point in time. Like, mm. I know he always kind of gets um, downplayed a lot because. He isn't quite as flamboyant or, you know, as a biggish character as some of the other 
performers to to yeah. put their stamp on the doctor but i think it really works for the type of character that the fifth doctor is i mean you mm-hmm. have to look at you know if you were to take any one of the doctor's best stories and best performances and you got to put that up against davis's performance in caves and like davis and just is phenomenal and hard to anybody match that yeah and not just caves snake well, dance enlightenment yes, absolutely, absolutely modern undead he is so good in modern undead but no I, I agree with you um anything else before we rate this puppy and put it to bed i mean i, I think we've you I know gushed and and talked about all the big parts and yeah you know had lots of commentary i mean like <laughs> again i mean to, to kind of wrap it up with a nice bow it's like the five doctors it is what it is and you gotta accept it for what it is and i know it's what you said about the three doctors but i think this one more so than three doctors is something that you cannot separate from being a anniversary show in mm-hmm. quotation marks and in big bold letters like yeah. you just can't separate it out i think you can yeah. kind of can with the three doctors this one you can't all right. I think that makes me feel more lenient towards it. Okay, let's see how lenient you are. I am curious <laughs> to know how you're going to rate this. And when I tried to rate Three Doctors highly, you told me I was insane. So let's just see how this goes. <laughs> I almost feel like I need to give it two ratings. I need to give it a nostalgia rating and right. an actual rating. But, I mean, I'm not going to do that. Oh, Lord. Um <laughs> It's just such a pleasure to watch, regardless of how daft the story is. And I think that counts for a lot. I'm going to give it... I was going to go with an 8. I feel like an 8 is probably too high for what this really is, but I enjoy it at an 8. I'll leave it at that. I don't think it really is deserving as a high-quality 8, but it is deserving as an enjoyable 8. Like, if it was actually being rated as a real story, it would be lower, but yeah. I, I can't divorce just the pure nostalgia and enjoyment out of it. Mm-hmm. So I, I got to give it an 8. I had already decided on an 8.5. Okay. Um, and that is because um, I, I love I love all the performances. I love the experience of watching it. I don't... I still, like, just get a pure, giddy joy from the three doctors. That this one is a little bit different for me, but I still love it. You know, if it weren't for the five doctors, I wouldn't be a Whovian 40 years later. So, you know, there, there is that, but I, man, it's not even one of my favorite Davison stories. There's so many more that I I love so much more than this, but I think it's very strong for what it is. I think for a, for trying to cram 20 years of stuff into a 90 minute story is an incredibly difficult task and i think that it lives up to it and does a very good job with it so eight and a half all right fair enough all right so i wonder if when we go to joshi's spinoff media corner are we going to do a multi-doctor story you know that would have been the easy choice it would have been the easy choice it would have been the easy choice yeah but guess what we're not going to do that oh instead we're going to connect to the five doctors via its ending. And instead what I'm going to recommend is a little story called time in office, because at the end of the five doctors, the doctor is giving the big to do like, Oh, it's time for you to come back home and resume your duties as president. And the doctor says, sure, no problem. And then takes off uh, like a bat out of hell to get <laughs> away from them. Well, uh, not too long afterwards, according to Big Finish, the Time Lords track him down, drag him back to Gallifrey with Tegan, and force him to take on the presidency. And we have a series of four vignettes told of the Doctor's time on Gallifrey as the president. Uh, and um, they were going to mind wipe Tegan, but uh, luckily Leela is there and convinces them to let T- uh, uh, Tegan serve as the Earth ambassador on uh, Gallifrey. And so you can imagine with Davison as the president and uh, Tegan bumping around Gallifrey, what kind of things <laughs> they might have gotten up to there. Um <laughs> Fairly enjoyable. I mean, like, it's no, like, big to-do, important type of story, but it's a fun story to listen yeah. to. Again, and it's four vignettes, four separate little stories being told as far as what they get up to. Lots of fun. 
So again, connects the five doctors nicely. Go and see what the happens when the doctor gets dragged back to Gallifrey to be president. Next week, we will be back and moving up through the years of anniversary stories. We will be watching and talking about Day of the Doctor, the 50th anniversary. And this is one that Josh and I were in the same room together when we first saw it. This is true. Oh, man. We're going to be reliving that the halcyon days of <laughs> being back in the 50th anniversary when Hulanta was still a thing. And oh, man, it's a whole thing. So it'll be fun. Yeah. So I guess we'll do that next week and then we'll have one more week to kill before the anniversary. But then I guess that's that's Thanksgiving week. So we might have to take that week off. What do you think? I don't know. We'll figure that out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. All right. Well, I hope everybody sticks around and checks us out next week for Day of the Doctor. And until then, everybody enjoy your TARDIS travels and we'll see you soon. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening to Doctor Who A to Z. You can find episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, and other podcast networks. Theme remix used by kind permission of Doctor Who composer Dominic Glenn. We'd love to hear from you, so please drop us a line at Doctor Who A to Z at Gmail or leave a comment wherever you're listening. If you've enjoyed this, please subscribe and consider leaving us a rating or review on your favorite podcast platform. See you next time, and until then, remember, we're all stories in the end. Just make it a good one. Yeah.